Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. Lift us up, Lord. In your awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, in this morning's Advent reading, we saw how all that God did for us, he did motivated by his love for us. I think the words were, consider that for a moment. The God of all creation loving us enough. I, I, I just, you know, when you think of how much greater and higher and more perfect and how holy he is, the fact that, you know, David in the Psalms, he would just stare up into this vast expanse of the universe and he'd say, what is man that you are even mindful of him? Uh, that God would even consider us. But he loves us so completely. Um, Bible says that, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. While we were in opposition to him, he loved us enough to go to the cross. How, how much more love can we have than that, right? So let's look at that familiar Bible verse again here, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that's Christmas. That's what we celebrate, right? That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So we know what his motivation was in all of this, his love for us. But what was his goal? What was the goal of sending Jesus? What was the goal of this whole thing from, from, from creation all the way to the end of Revelation? What is the goal here? That we not perish, the scripture says, but have eternal life. And that begs the question, what is eternal life? Does it mean that we're going to live forever? Well, the way I read my Bible, everybody's going to live forever. The only difference is where and with whom. Right? We, we, we are eternal beings. That, that spirit that is inside of us doesn't just, when we die, this human body, we drop, but we keep going. We are eternal. So does that mean that eternal life then is someday going to heaven to be with God? Well, that's probably what a lot of Christians would say. I was just having a discussion with my daughter yesterday, and then and she was saying, "This is what you know where a lot of people are at. What 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 Christianity is all about? It's about heaven. It's about heaven. It's about heaven. About heaven. We have this life, and we are this or this, but it's heaven. You know, is that what it means? Well, it may surprise you that that's not how Jesus Himself described eternal life." He said this in John 17, 3. He said, and this is eternal life from Jesus himself, right? That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And what does it mean to know somebody? How many are familiar with the actor Stephen Baldwin? 
not to be confused with his actor brother, Alec. Well, according to his bio on IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, Stephen, quote, was baptized a Roman Catholic, but became a born-again Christian in the evangelical church shortly after the September 11 attacks. Since converting, he has been on missions to evangelize the youth of the nation through projects such as the Breakthrough Ministry, which, is, which involves skateboarding and extreme sports and Christian rock concerts. Pretty cool, huh? Well, even cooler than that is the fact that on one youth event that our church in Ohio uh, attended, uh, one of our youth leaders turned around and they recognized this guy and said, that's Stephen Baldwin. My, my wife, who is not as movie savvy and, and different things as, as a lot of people are, she's like, well, who's that? You know, she didn't even know who it was. Um, but this, this other was, oh, Stephen Baldwin. She said, well, why don't you just go up and say hi? Because they were, you know, just mingling in the crowd. And, and, and she's like, I don't want to do that. She said, come on, I'll take you. My wife's just got this sense of boldness about it. Come on, I'll take you. Just a person, you know. So they went up and they, they got to meet him and uh, chat with him for a little bit. So now, um, can Kathleen say, hey, I know Stephen Baldwin. Well, no, right? Because knowing is more than knowing about somebody or just having a, a single meeting with them, right? A single interaction. Think of people that you do know. Do you know them all the same? Right? There's some people that you know casually, some people that you know very closely, right? Very few, really, in our lives that we can say that we know them very well. But what about God? What about God? What do you think his goal is for us? You think it's that casual relationship? Do you think it's that single interaction that when we come to faith in Jesus, yeah, I met God when I was, you know, 12 or 13 or 40 or whatever it is, and that's, that's kind of it, right? Or, or, or we have this ongoing casual relationship where we ask him for help every now and then, and he's just kind of, you know, there. Uh, we know he's there. Or do you think that God's desire for us is more than that? Look again at John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God. As, as we've seen before in the Greek language, the original language of the New Testament, there can be different words that are translated as a single word in English, like the word know, K-N-O-W. One of those words is oida, and that means to know about, to have knowledge of, to be acquainted with. We can relate that to a lot of people, right? We know of them, we, we, we know about them, we are acquainted with them, but we don't really know them. Well, the word in John 17, 3 that Jesus used is the word genosko. And it means this, to learn to know a person through direct personal experience. To learn to know, I like the word learn. 
I like that word learn because it implies that there's an increase over time. You know, we, we learn in school. What do we do? We, we, we grow in knowledge, right? There's, there's, there's an increase over time. There's a continual deepening of the relationship. It's not just a single occurrence. It's not a stagnant thing. It's a continual deepening. How? Through direct personal experience. Think of how you've come to really know the people that you're closest with. Spending time together, doing things together, sharing your deepest, innermost thoughts and feelings with someone else and they with you back and forth. A lot of communication, right? That's called direct personal experience. And that is God's goal for you and me. Do you realize that this morning? That's why he sent Jesus, right? Not not just to give us a, to change our grade from failure to pass so that we can get into the the entrance of, of the college of heaven, right? No, this was his goal that we might know him. And the awesome thing is that that depth of relationship that God wants for each and every one of us individually and personally is for all of us. Last week during communion, we talked about Jesus instating a new covenant. What's a covenant? It's a binding agreement between two parties. Marriage Okay, the, the whole institution of marriage, it's a covenant. It's, it's a binding agreement that people enter into before God, right? It's, it's, it's an exclusive relationship called marriage with terms to love, to honor, to cherish in sickness and in health, in the ups and downs, to, 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 to get over the rough spots and to commit, right, to this thing. Till death do we part. Likewise, As you read through the scriptures, God has entered into many different covenants with different people, with Abraham, with David, with Noah, um, and with his people as as a whole. And there's, there's several of them that you can read about in scripture. But in Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah the prophet speaks of this new covenant that Jesus talked about, um, at the, at the Last Supper. He says this. Jeremiah 31, 31, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. I think it's important to know, first of all, 
who he is talking about here, lest we think he is speaking to a specific ethnic group in the Middle East. And I could go into all kinds of detail here, I'm sure Walt could too, examples of how uh, Israel and Judah have been, uh, those terms have been used by God in a general sense uh, to speak about his people. Um, but here's, here's what Paul says in Galatians uh, chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. He says this, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, Paul concludes, via the Holy Spirit, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So when we read in Jeremiah, this is the covenant I'm going to make with the house of Israel, the house of Judah. What's he talking about? It is the people of faith. It is the people who have accepted God's reaching out to them, which he has done to us in Christ. It is that covenant that Jesus said, take, drink, this is the new covenant in my blood. They are one in the same. So let's look again. I, I, I've got them in a different order for, for effect here. But what is the, what are the terms of this covenant? God says, number one, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Number two, he says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Remember, this is binding covenant agreement, binding on God himself that he instituted. Number three, he says, I will put my law within them and write it on their hearts. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that God would, would, would not just give us a set of rules. He, he would begin to transform our very desires from the inside out. He's going to write his ways on our hearts so that we can be in harmony with him. And number four, so one I really want to focus on, but they're all awesome. Uh, no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. In other words, the people in this covenant, unlike past covenants that God made with them, they're not going to know the Lord through someone else's words or someone else's experience, not through Moses, not through the prophet, not through the priest, not through the rabbi. He says, no, they will all know me personally, closely from the least of them to the greatest. Now, maybe you see yourself this morning as the least. Guess what? It still applies to you. Every single one, not just the pastor, not just the deacons, not just, you know, the evangelists, not just, you know, the Billy Grahams and, you know, the famous people that we know. They will all know me to learn to know someone through personal experience, personal direct experience. 
that growing in this knowing relationship with God. Not just about him, not just casual, not second fiddle to anybody else, but that continual deepening of relationship. I mean, yeah, sure, we we may have different gifts, we may have different roles, we may have different ministries, but the potential depth of that relationship is equal across the board. From the pastor to the janitor, from the one that's in front to the one that nobody sees, close, personal, deep thoughts, back and forth. You see Paul at the end of his ministry, he says, you know, I, I, I put it all, I, I count everything else as, as dung, really. That's, that's, that's the word in the Greek. I count everything else as dung to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That to Paul was the number one thing, knowing him. Now, why is that? Because that, as Jesus said, is eternal life. Our life, our quality of life, our peace, our hope, our strength, our everything flows from that relationship. It's at the heart of it all. Again, Jesus didn't save us for heaven. He saved us for relationship. And not one that is casual, but one that is deep. Um, what was her name? Had that, uh, had that song, I Know My Redeemer Lives. Oh, I know my Redeemer lives. You heard that song? And, and in the kind of, as she's going through the chorus, she says, and I spoke with him this morning, you know, uh, that's, that's what we're talking about. I spoke with him this morning. I heard from him this morning. God speaking to me, not to the pastor, not to the deacons, not to the, to me. That's what he's looking for. That was his goal in Christmas. Christmas presence, right? His presence in our lives. I believe that within every one of us is a sincere desire to know God for ourselves. You ever read about some of the conversations like Moses has with God? You get just a little jealous, right? Or Peter, or you look at the the, the apostles as a whole, uh, the 12, and you go, man, I wish, wish I could have been there. I wish I could have talked to Jesus face to face. I wish I, you know... Uh, all these things. And Jesus actually said, you know, it's better for you guys if I go away. Better if he goes away. Because when Jesus was glorified, he sent his spirit to live in our hearts. So that 
He's not limited in the flesh anymore to one place at one time. That he can be with all of us that cl- as close as our very breath, 24-7. Why? For relationship. That close personal relationship. That's eternal life. The life of God flowing into us through personal interaction day by day, knowing him more and more and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it never quits. You think these human brains and and these human hearts can can exhaust God? No. So from, from, from today... If, if we're just really getting a sense of this, from today to the day we take our last breath, we can be growing in that relationship, deepening in that relationship. That's why he sent his son. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Whether you're the greatest or the least, God is reaching to you personally. Would you take his hand? Let's pray. Oh, Lord. We thank you for sending your son for us that we might truly know you. Not just about you, not get a, not get a list of commands, but truly know you for ourselves. Deeply, intimately. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Draw us, we pray. Now, I don't know who all, everybody's experience here or or those that are on Zoom. Let me ask this question while our heads are bowed. Have you initially opened that door? Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would hear my voice and open that door, I will come in, dine with them, they with me. Again, speaking of relationship. Have you opened the first gift of Christmas? Have you taken that hand reaching to you? Have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? If not, pray this prayer in your heart with me. Lord, that's what I want. I want to know you. And I want to know that my sins are forgiven, that someday, yes, I'll be with you in heaven, but that I can know you right now in my life. Come into my heart. Teach me what it is to walk and talk with you. Thank you, Lord. And if you made that decision at one time, but have have settled for a casual relationship with God, some kind of distant relationship or or have adopted like I did for years, a a relationship that was uh, some kind of standard of behavior. Instead of knowing him. Would you take his hand? 
Say, yes, Lord, I want that. I want that with you. Call me into that place of prayer. Call me into that place where you can speak to me, Lord, in my heart, through your word, through your spirit, that I might know you better each and every day. May I come before you, Lord, with an expectation to really meet with you. And I thank you for it. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Help us, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.